Welcome to Tarot for the End of Times, a podcast where we utilize the tarot as a tool to navigate through epochs of deep change. My name is Sarah Cargill. I'm an artist, cultural worker, and your host throughout the duration of this series. In each episode, I'll take a look at the archetypal figures presented in the Major Arcana cards from the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot deck to discuss what each card has to say about navigating through cycles of change, chaos, and instability. Throughout each episode, I'll offer reflection questions and suggestions for exercises that might support you in inviting the energy and wisdom of these archetypes into your daily life and practice. If you'd like to support this podcast and the person who makes it, you can make a monthly donation through my page on anchor.fm. Your generous act of community care and reciprocity helps me to access the resources I need to make projects like this possible and sustainable. You can also support this work by sharing this podcast with your friends and loved ones, and most importantly, by tuning in. Thanks for joining me. The sleepy mountain spirit who has spent the last little while gently reclining in the distance, who stirs every so often to cast a kindly gaze upon the earth dwellers who dance, cook, sing, mourn, and love beneath soft rolling curves that shape the horizon, has been roused. Charcoal smoke signals a fair warning to the earth dwellers who feel the rapid rise of heat and tectonic movement as a colossal fanfare of fire and ash sputter from the mouth of the earth giant. There is no escaping the mountain spirit's awakening. Choices must be made now. The mountain spirit, now a full-fledged volcano, erupts in the distance, purging liquid fire that saturates dusty footprints that once bespeckled well-traveled roads to familiar places and familiar hearts. The lovers, separated by the chaos, are now placed on their own paths. Their beloved town, now nothing more than a fever dream, glows and crackles in the distance as the lovers plant bare feet on forked roads that they can only hope will lead back to each other. Hope is all they had time to gather in the moment of no return. Now I know how all this looks. A tale of rubble and ruin, chaos and abrupt separation of hearts torn from chests, raw and beating against the indifferent cruelty of circumstance. But this isn't a story about loss, dear listeners. Rather, this is the story of what was found. Mere moments ago, magma cascaded down the mountain spirit's abdomen and molten, rolling waves with the urgency of pure instinct. It all happened in a flash. The lovers, safe from immediate danger, but reeling from the fresh, disorienting heartache of faded separation, walk along two paths created by the excess runoff of magma. Two paths forming in real time, flowing at the speed that has adjusted its pace to the gate of the separated lovers. 
slowing but still flowing, forming obsidian casing around stones and bones found sprinkled along its path. Unions require trust, and for the lovers, their initial separation and the subsequent choice to move forward on their own respective paths was a vital demonstration of self-regard. Self-regard begets self-trust, and it is this self-trust that will build the lover's capacity to recognize, extend, and reciprocate trust within their partnership. The plume of smoke and ash begin to part, and the clouds break open to release beams of light, illuminating the landscape with brilliant clarity. Both lovers look toward the sky in relief. Thank you, they say, with eyes closed and chins pointing to the heavens. Gratitude is its own holy incantation. Then a blazing, scintillating, omnidirectional glow, so intense that their eyelids could provide no adequate protection. Casting their faces downward, the lovers crouch low to the ground, heads tucked between knees, arms tightly held against sweaty foreheads as they attempt to shield themselves from whatever the hell is about to happen next. Enter Archangel Raphael, who descends with wings stretched across the sky and a white-hot luminescence with enough power to break open even the most stony of hearts. Despite Archangel Raphael's magnanimous presence, his message lands in the hearts of the lovers in a whisper. Take full responsibility for your choices. There is love to be found there. It is at this stage essential for the lovers to walk their own path, to learn to differentiate between co-creation and codependence. Before the lovers can fully choose each other, they must learn to choose themselves first and to take full responsibility for that choice. Then, just as quickly as he arrived, Archangel Raphael dissipates, leaving behind a soft afterglow illuminating the paths that stretch into the distance. The lovers rise and journey onward. One. Love does not begin and end the way we seem to think it does. Love is a battle. Love is a war. Love is a growing up. James Baldwin As the lovers come into full awareness of the journey they've signed up for, they soon discover that walking along their respective paths as the people they once were is an unbearable burden to carry. Their respective journeys back to each other will require each of them to shed previous iterations of who they once were and for them to practice coming home to who they are now. After all this change, after learning to choose themselves over and over again? Will the lovers choose each other in their newly incarnated form when they meet at the crossroads? Change is inevitable. Love is a choice. This, this is the growing up. Two. Love takes away the masks that we fear we cannot live without 
and know we cannot live within. James Baldwin. After, for what seemed like multiple lifetimes, the lovers discover a bend in the road and then an intersection, a convergence. They travel closer and closer to where the roads meet, ready to once again prove to themselves and to the universe what they're willing to receive or reject in the name of alignment. They arrive naked and raw from the many births and deaths they've undergone throughout their journey and are both surprised to discover that there is no fanfare or applause or certificate to mark the momentous occasion, but instead a quiet, seeping recognition. Beneath the branches of the tree of knowledge and the burning bush, they gaze at one another as they feel the cool air brush against freshly unmasked countenances. Tracing fingers along furrowed brows and pressing palms into temples, the lovers catch rolling tears that cascade down their beloved's face on the pads of their thumbs, tracing the path of roads they've traveled. They exchange a greeting. Nice to meet you. Welcome home. Don't ever think I fell for you or fell over you. I didn't fall in love. I rose in it. Toni Morrison Ruled by the mutable air sign of Gemini, the lover's card represents rapturous unions, partnerships, and collaborations between independent and consenting beings. Spiritual, romantic, platonic, creative, and economic partnerships rooted in conscious, deliberate, intentional choice make for unions that are anything but shallow or frivolous. This conscious co-creation set the lovers up to become greater than the sum of their parts. They are an amalgamation of intention, free will, and the alchemy that brings these elements into alignment and awakens them. Reading the lover's card in relation to the previous card, the Hierophant, offers additional subtext. While the Hierophant speaks to how we cultivate a set of personal philosophies and values, the lovers is an archetypal pair that speaks to how we might align our values with our actions and external relationships. Together, they embody an archetype that urges the collective to cultivate a union with the self by way of aligning one's internal values with one's external reality. A divine union of the internal self with the external self. Operating under the guidelines of mutable air, the lover's archetype speaks to an ever-evolving energy that demands open communication and frequent calibration. Alignment isn't a one-time event. It is an ongoing expression of commitment and attentive care. 
When we are in alignment with our values, our unions become reflections of and testimony to that alignment. The lover's card is ruled by the number six, a number that represents harmony and the work we front load to cultivate that harmony within our relationships. Six is a perfect number. It is both a product and a sum of its factors, and therefore, it carries an essence of symmetry, mirroring, and reciprocity. Within the context of the tarot, six is a sentimental number that suggests emotional exchange and emotionally charged investments made through and within relationships. For instance, the Six of Cups has an undercurrent of nostalgia and reminiscence, maintaining connection through an exchange of old memories. The Six of Wands indicates public recognition and celebrations of hard-won victories. So in this case, valiant effort is compensated with collective gratitude. The Six of Pentacles speaks to an exchange of resources as an expression of good faith and benevolence. And the Six of Swords indicates a turning point in a relationship when it may be time to collect your dignity and uh, maybe that favorite hoodie that somehow never made it back to your closet and to cut your losses and move on because reciprocity is nowhere to be found. The number six is also about choice, whether it be the choice to indulge in nostalgia and remember the good times with the Six of Cups, the choice to celebrate your achievements with the Six of Wands, the choice to share resources with the Six of Pentacles, and the choice to leave with your dignity intact with the Six of Swords. The number six urges us to get in right relationship with our personal philosophies by choosing unions that best support and reflect them. As within, so without. The archetype of the lovers reminds us that our external unions are often expressions of the union or separation we experience within ourselves. The symbolic imagery in the lover's card is undeniably biblical. So analyzing the two figures through the biblical parable of Adam and Eve is an obvious and reasonable choice. But as with most parables, I think there's a little bit of wiggle room for other interpretations. When I examine the lovers, I don't see Adam and Eve. I see Lilith and Adam. Lilith is a controversial character with fragmented and often contradictory origin stories. In the Bible and other Abrahamic texts and folklore, Lilith is often referred to as Adam's first wife. In the same breath, she is also accused of being a succubus demon and a feral, promiscuous, baby-killing, man-hating heathen by men who fail to respect her autonomy and are being straight-up haters because of her intimate relationship with the divine, which is made apparent through the sacred knowledge that she holds. God's government name. <laughs> Good old-fashioned patriarchy, just as exhausting as it is boring, isn't it? These men, 
know nothing of God. Lilith, being made not of Adam's rib, but of the same clay that was used to form Adam, refused to submit to Adam's insecure patriarchal demands and systems of sexist hierarchy. When Adam refused to compromise, i.e. treat Lilith as his equal, Lilith utters the ineffable name of God and straight up bounces, thus permanently relinquishing the eternal security provided by the Garden of Eden. It appears as though for Lilith and for God, nothing was worth the price of her freedom. I'd like to think that the fragmented and elusive nature of Lilith's story is a mechanism to keep her divinity and freedom protected. If we are to believe that the Bible is the written word of God, then perhaps that fragmentation and contradiction was written into her story as an escape route for Lilith. You can't imprison what you can't find. With this in mind, let's examine the symbolic imagery of the lover's card through this allegorical framework. To the left of Lilith, there grows a tall apple tree and a serpent winding its way up the trunk. Many readers interpret this visual symbol as a direct nod to the story of Eve and the tree of knowledge, and is thus a visual reminder to warn against temptations and the unholy distraction of hedonism and excess pleasure. What's interesting to me is that Lilith was often depicted as a serpent with a human torso, so I don't think it's too far of a reach to say that Lilith's presence is embedded in the lover's card. When we insert Lilith into this story, the symbolism no longer holds as a warning against, quote, knowing too much. Rather, it highlights the importance of transparency and warns us of the dangers that lurk in the shadows of willful ignorance. Consent is only consent when we have access to all the information we need to make informed choices. If there is an unspoken truth that threatens the very core of your union and its ability to exist, if your relationship crumbles at the sonic boom of truth, then the very foundation of this union must be called into question. Alignment and transparency go hand in hand. The presence of the serpent also reminds us that unions formed through and within a place of alignment must have the strength and flexibility to hold the many different versions of ourselves that we become within the lifespan of any given partnership. Throughout different stages of a relationship, we grow into and out of many different iterations of ourselves needs, values, and visions change over time, and it's within our best interest to observe and respond to these changes within our partnerships. Much like the serpent, we are always in a process of shedding and becoming, holding yourself and others to expectations that are misaligned with who you are or who they are in the present moment is a surefire way to grow out of rather than grow with and through a partnership. If the serpent does in fact function as a warning, it warns us of the destructive temptation that bubbles up when we realize that our loved ones are slipping away from us. 
The temptation to sow our loved ones and ourselves and molted skin that once held a different version of who we once were is what keeps us bound to relationships that no longer serve our highest and greatest good. This is not a union. This is entanglement. Now, on the right, we have Adam standing next to a burning bush. Within Abrahamic scripture and folklore, the brush fire indicates the presence of the divine and is symbolic of the passion that catalyzes and sustains the life force that courses through our unions. In the lover's card, this brush fire is made up of 12 flames that burn independently, representing the presence and divine energy of each zodiac sign. The union of the lovers is one to be witnessed and celebrated by all. As a reader, I'm drawn to how this burning tree visually mirrors the tree of knowledge depicted on the left. Beyond representing the emblazoned passion that ignites the connection between the pair, I think that this burning tree speaks to what happens when we enter partnerships of love and passion. Fire, for better or for worse, catalyzes change, permanently altering the landscape as well as those who are consumed by or narrowly escape it. Once set ablaze, there is no going back to how things used to be. Love operates in a similar way. Love changes us, and there is no way to unknow what's been illuminated. There is no way to recover what's been set ablaze. The figure to the right asks, are you ready to catalyze change and to be changed in the name of love? As mentioned in my allegory of the lovers, the angel that appears in this card is Archangel Raphael, whose name means God heals. Archangel Raphael appears as the largest figure depicted in the lover's card, towering over the pair to remind us that love is a mutual recognition of the divine that exists within each of us. To love each other means to honor the divine in ourselves and others. But recognition of the divine is a choice. Faith in the divine is a choice. Love is a choice. Archangel Raphael asks us to choose what heals. When the lover's card appears upright in your deck, it's often a confirmation that the relationships and unions that you've chosen for yourself are in alignment with your core values and beliefs. It may also indicate a reunion with the self as you do the work to make choices that reflect and support the alignment you're cultivating from within. When the lovers appear inverted in your reading, it may be a time to get clear about what's important to you and to lovingly release that which no longer reflects who you are now. There's no need to violently reject or admonish who you once were or to punish yourself for staying too long in a relationship that may have been particularly challenging to transition out of. It is entirely possible to honor old versions of yourself and former connections that no longer fit. 
One way to do this is by acknowledging and expressing gratitude for the purpose they served within the larger unfolding of your life path and to take with you the lessons that will best meet your new needs as you make space for the being that you are becoming. Manifest your path forward by scripting or writing down what you are ready to transition and what you'd like to take with you on the journey ahead. The lovers in reverse may also point to the ways in which you may be over-reliant on external validation to determine your personal values, beliefs, and even your sense of self-worth. The energy of the inverted lovers supports us in moving toward and taking responsibility for our own healing, our own internal compass, by examining the ways in which we project old wounds onto others, especially those we love the most. In what ways do you give your power away and derail your own growth by blaming others for your misalignment? and self-betrayal? Does proving your narrative take priority over integrating hard truths? Love is a choice that we make every day, and the lovers want you to move into the next phase of your relationships with clarity. In times of uncertainty and chaos, the lovers remind us that we will be changed by circumstance and by each other to the degree and depth at which we are willing to face ourselves. It is an inevitable and unrelenting certainty. As we come to a close, I invite you to call in the energy of the lovers by taking inventory of the relationships that reflect who you are now and who you'd like to become and getting real honest about what you must leave behind. How will you choose to close partnerships that have run its course? How will you hold loose ends with tenderness and attention? Whose transformations do you wish to bear witness to? Whose presence are you requesting to bear witness to your transformation? There's not much to take with you to prepare for this journey. Travel light, show up, offer your undiluted presence, and choose to move in love. Thanks for listening.